0: Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit
1: Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Notre Dame, man. Check that out. I heard the story once about when the the Germans were occupying Paris and they had to retreat back. They wired Notre Dame to blow, but they had to... They had to leave one guy in charge of hitting the switch, and the guy, the soldier, he, he couldn't do it. You know, he just sat there, knocked out by how beautiful the place was. And then when the Allied troops came in, they found all the explosives just lying there, and the switch unturned, and they found the same thing. Sacré-Cœur, Eiffel Tower, a couple other places, I think. Is that true? I don't know. I always liked the story, though.
2: Good day and welcome to another Sun Cinema podcast, the weekly radio show that examines the highs and lows of the medium of film through the filtered lens of Washington D.C.'s only art house cinema. I am Jason Colley, your host, and I am joined by my co-hosts, regular Ryan Hunter Mitchell
1: and David Cabrera, gentlemen. Hi, I'm regular Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. hi, regular Ryan. <laughs> um, well, last week it was Brittany Ryan. D- Brittany Ryan. It was Brittany Ryan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. D- dastardly David. Well, where was where were you, Ryan? <laughs> Well, I don't know, where were you, Jack? Um, yeah, where were you guys? I was in L.A. wait, was I in LA? I don't know. Just pretend you were in L.A. Yes, I was week. in LA. You Actually, in LA. I was in LA, yes, I was. I was uh in LA flying back here last Tuesday.
2: Ryan's uh birthplace, Southern yeah, California. The
1: area. I I ran into Jack there. Yeah. You were doing a bunch of uh You guys did your own show? We did a whole different um movie <laughs> podcast. Nice. <laughs> I did I did think about it. But it would have been more obnoxious, (laughs) so I didn't.
2: Ryan at large in L.A. Uh,
1: Yeah, it was nice though. It was good. uh, It was good being out there. I did. I saw Apollo Eleven. Oh, it was great. Uh, Damn, I still have to do that.
2: I still, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I still need to see us again. Tell everybody (laughs) that they need to go see Apollo Eleven. It's amazing.
1: I did want to see us again as well. I did, you know, I was at the Glendale train station a lot. And what I noticed, like, the third time being there, that uh, they have a huge wall of murals of the old Western lots. So they have, like, a Gene Autry painting. I think maybe a John Ford one or something. I'm
2: sure, yeah. i got to look that up, actually. Yeah. That sounds amazing.
1: You know, I got a couple pictures, but I, I'm i not finding it, Googling it. But it, that was cool. It was a little yeah, bit People of,
0: can't see him on the show anyways. Yeah, no, but well... We Send them out for it. This is
1: know? 4D. You can smell it on the show. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, anyone hear about the new Hellboy that you can see in 4D down in Regal Chinatown? No. no. What is this? Apparently, it like mists when the blood oh my comes God. through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Dude, and I just think do it might that at the bar. That'd be pretty easy. We could do a 4D. We yeah, could do it at yeah. Suns. We could definitely just maybe get do a one 4D. extra person
0: to help out. A spray bottle. Some spray bottles.
1: <laughs> you. We we could get you blood. Yeah. Sure. That's a promise. By the end of the year, we'll do a 40. Some, some stink bombs and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Um, uh, contrary to popular opinion, AOC was not hanging out at Sun Cinema on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where that rumor started, but people just kept on blowing me up, just being like, "Is it true? Is AOC hanging out at Suns?" But it wasn't. She was hanging out with Sun's staff though that night on Saturday. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: Uh, wait. So, what was that a clip from? And why uh, that was before that?
1: sunset. Uh, Richard Linklater's. Um, yeah,
0: the trilogy.
1: Uh, Slacker, before sunset, before sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, I, it's a nice clip, though. I, I don't. I don't particularly like that movie. I hate that movie. Yeah, okay. I'm not a fan Good, of that trilogy all at
2: all. Um, yeah, and I do like Linklater by and large. I mean, I love Days and Confused. Uh, I love a lot of the things he does. Yeah. I'm kind of fifty-fifty actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like every other film he makes, I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah, and then, but we played it because obviously, um, you if know, you haven't heard, yeah, if you haven't heard, there was because a fire. There was a fire in Paris <laughs> uh, yesterday, and um, Paris is burning. Paris, when it sizzles, is uh, you know, it's really happening. They, I think they're they're saying they're going to be able to save. Notre Dame now, that like the the shell's still intact. Uh, the hunchback. but it's uh, yeah, Sorry. it was like a pretty serious thing that like you know really raged
0: for for a good while.
1: I heard that spire was actually only built 150 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that that's true I, it did burn down before um i saw something about
0: it being um the the like wood at the top all of the beams were made with separate trees and they called it this like the something forest up there or something it oh just man kinda sad i was like damn
2: oh wow yeah no i mean look it's it's legit it was just watching the the footage and stuff it's pretty pretty harrowing um but yeah little nod to paris and we were going to talk just as another, you know, bigger nod to Paris. Just kind of some of our favorite Paris movies. <laughs> favorite Paris Hilton movies. Yeah. Favorite Paris Hilton <laughs> House movies. of
1: Wax. Or, I forget which one she's in. Uh, Paris Jotem definitely comes to mind. Paris Jotem. I've never seen, seen it, actually. Actually, I have. It's, it's, it's good, okay. right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 There's some nice little shorts. Oh, that's
0: there. one of the shorts ones. Yeah. It's yeah, one yeah. of those where you're like, oh, that one was good. And you're like, oh, right. that one was it's, awful. Yeah. It, it kind of ebbs and flows. But I forget. Who are the directors on that? Oh, it's a... It's a laundry list. Why'd you bring that up, Brian? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why didn't I bring it up like 10 minutes earlier that's so true. we could have Googled it? Really? It's true. Um, uh, City of Lost Children. Does anyone, can anyone guess, is that some dystopian Paris? Was it? If it's not, I think not, it is. I think it, I think is. it is. Yeah. Then I'm going to say that one. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'll tell you one that's Sinead. kind of a, an American film with a Polish director set in Paris, but is frantic. Uh, early 80s Polanski with Harrison Ford, all right, phenomenal movie, like holds up really, really well. And it's not like either of their kind of pictures. Like when you think of Harrison Ford or you think of Roman Polanski, you don't necessarily think of Frantic, but man, it's a really, really fun
1: movie. Um, Wait, what's his, does it, Harrison Ford's in another Paris movie, right? Oh, I hope not. Oh, I think <laughs> he Damn it. All right, well, you guys keep going. With um, I want to find this one.
2: The other one I thought of uh, right off the top of my head, David. You, I'm sure you've probably seen this. The Michael Haneke film, uh, Cash, or Unknown. Oh, I have with seen that one. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. That's, cool. That's that like still frame, or not still frame, but a, a tripod just opening of just the view of that apartment. Yeah, and it sits there for like the first three minutes of the movie, and you start like really realizing, oh yeah, somebody's watching them. Yeah, uh, really fun movie.
0: I forgot that was Haneke. That movie's
2: so Yeah, good. yeah. It's so good. Um,
1: 1995's Sabrina.
2: Oh, come on, man. <laughs> the remake of Billy Wilder's Sabrina. Yeah. Which is actually great. Um, and then uh, Last Tango in Paris uh, was an easy one for me to think about. Um, maybe Brando's best performance. That's saying something. But it it's Early really, 70s? Yeah, 73, right after Godfather. Um had a, had, a, had a nice little run there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other film, and I, I know you guys haven't seen this, but I, I really, really can't express enough how much I want you guys to see this. And, and everybody out there listening uh, should check this movie out. It's called Diva from 1981, it's a French film. Uh, and it's this guy, um, Jean Jacques Benet, uh, made it. It's actually, I'd just I'd seen it like four months ago. Uh, just kind of on a whim was like oh this looks interesting I'll check it out on like a Sunday or something and it blew me away and then I just finished a book called The World of Cinema by Mark Cousins Uh, it's a I I highly recommend it if like you're truly interested in like the origin of film and kind of all the movements of world cinema throughout history until the early 2000s Um, but he actually has a whole segment on this little movie and kind of it's Second birth of like French New Wave of the early '80s and kind of how they were, um, kind of falling in and adopting um, some of the kind of um, materialism and things like, and like commenting uh-huh. on that and like how the how materialism was kind of affecting um, Paris and and it's just. It's maybe a little heady. The movie is just really kind of bonkers and great and beautiful to look at. Amazing music and it's cool. just fun, fun compositions and acting. I mean, It's like really, really good. I really want everybody to see this movie. Uh, Diva. So Diva. Yeah, go see it. F- 1981.
0: I have a few that we forgot. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the first one is a little known movie called Amelie. Oh, yeah. A little known I, you thing. know, actually, good movie.
1: That's Yeah, a, yeah
0: it's a real fun movie. Um, Lahain. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I actually H- almost Haine. wrote that down. Actually. Yeah, that
1: movie's so good. It's and it's tough.
0: A, certainly a different view of Paris, but sure. Um, beautiful and really cool. And just hold on because it's a, yeah, it's a ride. Yeah, it's a ride. Uh, wait, what was the other one? There's one that was obvious. Oh, Cleo from five to, oh, five to seven. sure. Yeah, yeah Agnes Varda. RIP. Yeah, RIP. And then, oh man, what was the other one? Band just, of, what's a band of... Oh, yeah, you go with that one. I have one other We're one. A band there. of outsiders. band
1: of outsiders. Yeah. Just phenomenal. Just, yeah. a, good, just a good one. Um, and the Louvre is still standing. Yeah. So you can still run through the Louvre. You can still
2: Louvre. roller skate through the Louvre. <laughs> um,
1: Did anybody see what he got? the Dreamers? Anybody? Oh, anybody? oh Dreamers yes, Dreamers, actually. Dreamers That's a great, great one. one. Yeah,
0: 400 oh. Blows, also. Yeah, yeah, sure. Has those shots of the Eiffel Tower at the beginning.
2: Well, just kind of Paris at night in, in, you know, just different parts of town that you don't normally associate with Paris, but it's so beautiful in that black and white, you know. Uh, Truffaut's ability to kind of capture the city is always amazing. The tiny last apartments. metro, he does that really well. Yeah, and those tiny apartments. I mean, super tiny, right? Like his parents' apartment.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Curtis uh, Maki, uh, definitely. Um, uh, Vita Bohem. Right, was that one? Yeah. In Paris? Yeah. yeah, that one's that's got to be one of my favorites. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Ratatouille's Ratatouille on there. Yeah.
0: Are we looking at the same list? i going to say Hunchback? <laughs> There's one other one. I can't, I just There's, one other, There's, There's one, one other
1: French movie. There's literally one other French movie. Well, I'll
0: I'll just br- bring it only? back at some random time with the in the show, I'm sure. Yeah, if you think of it, shout it out.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: um Breathless, but that wasn't it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That one's in Paris. <laughs> yeah. Did you say Jules and Jim already?
0: No, no. Jules and Jim's That's in good a way. good one. one though. Another film.
2: So troupelle.
0: there's this whole movement called the French New Wave. <laughs> yeah. If your kids aren't familiar. Yeah, where they just kind of <laughs> shot around <laughs> Paris, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's.
1: Enough about the French. Sorry, I'm. It's You're terrible. It. They're burning. Their building burned down. Uh, not completely. I'm glad that it didn't it's gonna be entirely. Saved, yeah. I saw some pictures of the interior. Looks it looks like they can put it back together.
2: Yeah. No, I I just literally read a thing ten minutes ago said like they're gonna be able to salvage it. It's gonna take millions of dollars and tons of work and years to do,
1: but it's gonna happen. So now moving on to Oh,
0: Paris, Texas. Oh, there you go. Uh, I'm just kidding. Right. I'm just kidding. That wasn't <laughs> it. <but laughs> Couldn't help
2: myself. It actually popped up on a list when I was just kind of glancing oh, really? to my memory. It was like, Paris, Texas. What are your like, favorite really?
1: Paris, Texas movies? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Paris, Texas is pretty good. Uh, who's this other guy we want to talk about? This new filmmaker? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, this American guy.
2: New guy on the scene called uh, named uh, Quentin Tarantino has got a new movie coming out this fall and the teaser trailer just came out and i got to say like, we'll, we'll talk more about it but like, I, I felt we could talk for a minute just about the trailer alone um it's, it's just a knockout like it it kind of harkens back to for me it harkens back to like oh yeah i'm really excited about going to the movies yeah. in in 6 months to see this thing you know um i don't know when it comes out august october or somewhere mm. in there um it's it's a ways yet uh, but, know, but the trailer got released, and it's really early, top notch. early
1: release for a trailer.
2: Huh? Yeah, yeah, no, I think I mean people have just been. There was like a whole internet underground uh, people like sneaking photos off the July set. 26th. And, uh, July twenty sixth. July twenty sixth, oh, Okay, so not too oh, too far. Camping far out. Really, yeah. Um, but yeah, there was like a whole thing like people were trying to. Tarantino like apparently is diligent like everybody turns in their phones when they show up on set in the morning so like nobody can take photos and like leak them and all this kind of stuff one uh, of those bosses one of those bosses <laughs> um but anyway like there's been like they've intentionally like leaked some photos and then they've you know kind of just threw this trailer out here uh go online find it it's great we're going to play it in a second um but it's it's top-notch
1: I mean, should we uh, should we just listen to it? Let everyone listen to we,
2: it? You can listen to it. The music's great, oh, and, wow. and the dialogue's amazing. Obviously. We'll let it rip. So, yeah, right. let's, go. let's not watch it. Let's to my right
1: to is it. Bounty Law series lead and Jake Hill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick stunt double, Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. <laughs> Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. I mean, it sounds My cool. Hands are registered as lethal weapons. We get into a fight. I accidentally kill you. I go to jail. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life.
2: Like you, Rip fucking All right. Yeah. So that was it. I
0: hope everybody got a good view of it. Was uh, that a car? Was that a car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's a scene from.
1: <laughs> Never mind. It sounds cool. <laughs> no, I did watch it. I was actually, I did cue it up so I could watch it like, right. as the sound was going on.
0: Ryan was watching it.
1: I was watching it. Yeah. Um, Hopefully you were watching it. Yeah, you guys should all watch it Yeah, you it can too. maybe pause
0: it and then get it lined up, synced up, and then...
1: Uh, so yeah, what's the premise of the Once Upon a Time? Oh.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's basically
2: like following two characters played by DiCaprio and, and Brad Pitt, uh, who is this kind of television classic star and his stunt double... Um, as they're moving around Hollywood during the same time as the Manson killings are about to happen or happening. Um, and just kind of, you know, like like it says once upon a time in Hollywood, it's just kind of a a, a glimpse, a little microcosm of that world over that couple of month period there in 69, I guess, was it? Um, but, you know, it <laughs> freaking looks amazing. Um,
1: it seems like there, is there a little... Is that Manson in there? They yeah, like yeah, a shot. yeah. No, okay. they're, they're, That's the Manson character? Yeah. Uh,
2: someone's playing Manson, and I forget who it is. Uh, but, yeah, no, it, it's like truly like taking a look at that exact kind of moment in time. I don't know how Polanski feels about it, talking about Polanski, but um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting that, that it's happening. I think Margot Robbie's playing Sharon Tate. Ooh. I think. Okay. Um, I could obviously look it up in two seconds, but I'm not going to. And uh, let you guys at home do that, but yeah, I think you guys that can is, speculate. I think you, I think she is, which is pretty on point. I mean, um, the cast looks
1: great. The, the cast is, yeah,
2: I mean, everybody shows up for Tarantino. That's the thing. Like, there's a handful of people that, and maybe nobody more than him that can just like summon <laughs> whoever he wants in a movie. It's probably going to work out. Um, well,
1: and even before Pulp Fiction, he. He had a good cast for, uh, oh, yeah, for Resident no. War Dogs. I mean,
2: it, it, he had a great cast. I mean, even, like, the minor characters. I mean, like, Eddie Bunker's in there. Like, uh-huh. most people don't know who Eddie Bunker is, but uh, he was um, I'm going down rabbit holes. But Eddie Bunker was a crime fiction writer who spent some serious time in, in jail, was a real thief, and uh, was actually... Um, consultant on movies like thief with Michael Mann. He's a really good friend of Michael Mann's was a really good friend of Tarantino's. It became because of Tarantino's fandom of Edward bunker and to put him in that movie kind of makes sense and is, is an awesome thing. He's just kind of in that opening scene Uh uh, and the scene, I guess where they get their names. But um, yeah, so I, I, I wanted to have a bigger, little bit, you know, bigger conversation about just kind of where you guys come out on Tarantino in 2019 uh, versus kind of where I came from um, on Tarantino. I'm a little bit older than you guys, and I don't know by how much. How old are you, Ryan? 34. How old are you, Dave? 36. Okay. Yeah, so I'm 43. Um, yeah, a little bit. And so, like, when Reservoir Dogs happened, I'm, so I'm going to preface my entire conversation with this. In 93, I think it was, 92, uh, I guess it was 92, I saw, um, I want to say it was the VHS copy of Glengarry Glenn Ross and the previews before the movie showed Reservoir Dogs. And just from the preview of Reservoir Dogs, it was like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like sure. this. What is happening? Nobody saw Reservoir Dogs, by the way. Uh, I mean, it, it aired at Sundance. It was Part of the whole Sundance, uh, you know, um, kind of directors, screenwriters. Uh, what do they call that when they, they do the thing at Sundance? Oh, the, the workshops. Workshop. Sure. It was all part of that. And then like aired at Sundance. Notoriously had like some woman, quote, unquote, I guess, fainted.
1: Um, There's always one of them.
2: Yeah. At the at the year scene and all this stuff. But so there was like this little weird buzz, but it didn't really play anywhere. Uh, certainly didn't play anywhere in the Midwest, but, uh, and nobody kind of talked about it, knew about it until Pulp Fiction comes out. So for like two years, I was trying to get everybody, I I went out and bought it on VHS and was like taking it to people's homes and like forcing them to play it and, uh, did that for two years. And then of course, Pulp Fiction comes out, you know, wins the palm door at Cannes, opens that summer, blows everything out of the, you know, water, um, and people immediately like. Where can I find more of this guy? Well, he'd only done one other film, which was Reservoir Dogs. So Reservoir Dogs, as a result, then became super popular. Uh-huh. Um, almost equally popular to, to Pulp Fiction. Um, the t-shirts, the posters, everything oh, sure. started getting reproduced from, for Reservoir Dogs. And so it was kind of funny to watch all of that happen. And people of a certain age and certain inclination toward film saw that stuff happen as well. Um, but for me, it was just a really interesting thing. I was a huge, you know, fan of this guy. He certainly had a, a, his own voice and his own style, and and you could see the influences of everybody from Scorsese to Godard to Howard Hawks to you know all these people uh, that he would later you know go on and, Wong Kar and Wai. talk about. Yeah. Wonkawise, Sam Peckinpah, uh, you know, kind of cinema. And he always said like I'm a cinema guy, uh-huh. you know. And these were very cinema, you know, guys that he aspired to. Um, so that said, I would say the last couple of films, Hateful Eight and what was just before Hateful Eight?
1: Oh, uh, Django Chand. Django, yeah.
2: Good examples. Uh, two films, uh, both Western genre, and I love Westerns. Anybody who knows me knows I love a good Western. Um, but I feel like... You can and I, there are guys that do this too, Woody Allen and other people. But I feel like more than anyone in my mind, when I'm watching a Quentin Tarantino movie now, like I can hear him typing this movie oh, or def. writing this movie,
1: even since the Glorious Bastards for me, okay. which I liked a lot, sure, sure. But uh,
2: but you can hear him, mm-hmm. write Like, oh, this will be cool, this guy will say this, and this will be, and it's all very Tarantino, uh-huh. you know, like they all sound like something Quentin Tarantino some version of Quentin Tarantino you can and see
1: when he thinks he's clever exactly right? yeah. exactly
2: and i i think more than anybody i you know i'm trying to just think of these guys who are kind of you know writer directors and you know woody allen comes to mind just because of very similar you know uh sounding characters in all of his films uh-huh. but and I can certainly see that in like the main character. A lot of times when it's not played by Allen, you can kind of go, Oh yeah, this yeah, is yeah. This, whoever this him. is, is playing some version of Woody Allen. Um, but I don't get that with the other characters, uh-huh. but with Tarantino, I get it with everybody. Like every, even the female characters are like some yeah. weird version of Quentin Tarantino. And it mm-hmm. kind of drives me nuts. And so I just don't know, like obviously Ryan, you, you said you noticed that Dave, do you, Feel that way? Noticed that, or ever thought about uh,
0: that? I haven't thought of that. I I have sort of a broader feeling about Tarantino at this point. That I, you and I kind of talked about this at Suns actually. I I think I know where you're going, but yeah, go um, ahead. I mean, I would put him in the same category as like Jim Jarmusch and Wes Anderson. Like, they're three dudes that like were kind of trailblazers um, who did like found this like niche up with this like really cool formula for movies create their own world yeah, creating their own world that was like very different than any anyone else's but have kind of continued to do the same formula to the point now that i'm like not as excited when like i, I love jim jarmusch we have a shrine for him at suns which you would probably be creeped out by uh <laughs> it's pretty amazing it's pretty cool though um but you know, like he's literally reanimating corpses for of old actors for his you know yeah, new yeah. movie. Like, uh, you know, it's it's I'm torn between like because obviously these guys like opened the door for a lot of other people and they've obviously like inspired you know uh-huh. so many people. Um, I and don't if know they if...
2: stopped making movies right now, they would go down in canon as yeah. These I kind of wish. I guess I kind
0: of wish that they would. <laughs> stop no I mean like as in but like take that you know take what they have and like give voice to other people like well, start producing movies more and like I, don't, I mean I don't well, know if they Tarantino are Tarantino always has yeah, like, yeah.
1: even from the as soon as he <laughs> got out of Pulp Fiction he was yeah. helping everyone else and I, that's I, true
2: I will say yeah I mean like he started his own thing with uh, Miramax of just being able to go find his own people and, you know like Chunking Express like got totally. US yeah, yeah, release yeah. because true. of Tarantino Uh, and a lot of re-editions of old, great kind of grindhouse movies and all these things that came about, for sure. Um, And Tarantino's been very open in saying, I'm only going to make 10 movies, because after that, you kind of, he feels historically, if you look at all the directors, I think there are some exceptions to this rule, for sure, in my mind. But he's saying, like, you've got, like, 10 good movies in you and then everything after that becomes sort of rehashing and and reexamining, you know, back to your original films. um, Becomes repetitive. And I would say, you know, while, A, I don't know that he'll hold to that, but he claims that he's 100% going to hold to it, and I've heard him in multiple scenarios talk about that, and he's like, no, 100%, like 10, and I'm out. Um, But I, I wonder if that... If Wes Anderson or somebody like that, or Tarantino for that matter, I don't think Tarantino as much, but maybe Wes Anderson, uh, you know, do they find another gear somewhere down yeah. the road? You know, I mean. Bring back Bottle Rocket.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just going to doubt it. <laughs> so my first Tarantino's, I remember my parents going to see Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. and like walk, having walked out. Like I they oh, came home really? and they're like, We walked out. It was you know, oh, like, they walked out of I the was movie. Like, okay, well how do I go see yeah, how do I this is gonna be cool. So I had to yeah. wait till it came out on video. But then of course once you see it, you're like this is cool. There's ah, cool lines, it's cool, cool acting, cool. there's great shooting, there's yeah. it's so the movie's really fun. the creative aspects were totally over my head at the time. Um but then later getting more into film, getting more independent film, Reservoir Dogs was huge. I sure. thought that was great. Um, and I don't think I was a totally sold fan of his. Uh, I loved reservoir dogs, loved Pulp Fiction. But for instance, when Kill Bill one came out, I was like, ah, I don't need to rush to the theater. Okay. to go See this. It wasn't, um, you know, and I, I didn't see that in theater, but then when Kill Bill two came out, you could watch both, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, all right, I didn't see that one. I should give it a chance. I actually didn't like the first Kill Bill. Yeah. Um,
2: I think a lot of people feel the second one strong, but then the I second, liked
1: the second one yeah. a lot, and I realized like, okay, he was he had some thought, he knew what he was doing with the first one, leading up to a second yeah. one.
2: I mean, it's really just one long movie, right? Um, you know, it's like four yeah. and a half hour movie. Just well, they are half.
1: so different, though. But either way, I agree. Um, and then I started getting into like, True Romance, which he had written. Mm-hmm. Um, had he written Natural Born Killers? Yeah, he wrote two? that as well. And yeah. that, that one's like a fun movie for that. why it's I fun. Yeah, he did. So New true romance. I started getting it, realizing it. Okay, he's careful about what his output is. Like he's writing stuff. He's he is throwing a bone to other directors because he, True Romance, I think he could have made a great movie out of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it would have been better. Than He
2: actually pre-sold that before he had made Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Yeah. So that goes back to like early 90s. It's set on a shelf. It's a and a then good movie. When... Pulp Fiction came out.
1: Ah. True
2: Romance is greenlit in a second, and oh, he had already sold it, it, so Tony Scott
1: made it. Okay, uh,
2: um, just the backstory of yeah. why he didn't direct that.
1: So then he does. So after Kill Bill, two is Inglorious Bastards the next one?
2: No. Uh, well, you skipped over Jackie Brown. Which oh, I Jackie Brown, which is great. I love uh, Jackie Brown. Very Jackie Brown's, is very so Brown's amazing. I fucking love Jackie Brown.
1: Um, yeah. His his first three. I mean, they're they're so good. But then there's this thing. That I think is one of the problems with Tarantino. Despite like, I like that he's careful. I think he makes meticulous movies. Didn't necessarily care for... Um, Hateful Eight was good. It was okay. Django Unchained was, okay. was cool. But I wasn't excited. Didn't need to see them again. I did like glorious Bastards. But those first three, mm-hmm. I think, are so solid. But there's this thing, and I kind of lump in Scorsese a little bit with this, is uh, this kind of glorifying of... Of uh, mafia culture, which is kind of at least they're irreverent about it and show that it's kind of dumb at right. the same time. Um, but it just became such a cool thing, and I do think they're careful with it. They do good, you know, insightful character studies and it great editing, great stories. But just it blows up the genre, and then <laughs> then we get. From that comes so many cheesy mafia movies and crime movies. A hundred percent. So they do it really well. This but happens in music as well. Exactly. Of course. This is all the bands that came after Nirvana. Right. Like,
2: I think if course. we had a fine art curator or historian here, they would be able to say the same thing. You know, uh. um, but he, certainly in music and movies, it's inevitable.
1: So almost their reputation and everything that Tarantino brings to the industry Is almost worse than his actual movies. Like I don't think, I think he challenges himself enough. I think he's not trying to break new ground because he shouldn't. He, you know, he's obviously no one says no to him in the editing room. No one says no to him anywhere, and that makes for slightly worse movies. I think it can. I I think they could be a little bit. uh, Just the amount that he literally isn't limited. Like his last few movies have been a little long. Yeah, Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be. That being said, I'm super excited for it, and this one looks a little stronger than Hateful Eight. To I me.
2: yeah, everybody's kind of I don't know how they're getting their information. I don't know if there's like early versions of this being leaked, but people are saying like it's a it's a return to form to those early '90s years cool. as far as how this film's going to come out. Um, Should be good. excited. That could be. <laughs> but yeah, who who knows? Um, I, I just kind of wanted to get a pulse of where people are on tarantino in 2019 just okay. having spent what you know constitutes basically 25 years of my life with this guy you, know? well, yeah, yeah. you
1: can stop uh, having white people say the n-word it's like a so that was the other first thing, thing to adjust that was the thing
0: that i was gonna say in on your point about like you can hear him typing yeah i think that's one of my biggest beefs with tarantino is that yes you can hear that and like he it seems like he's like fetishizing racism and mm-hmm. and other and feet yeah well that is a, <laughs> a definite thing i've heard stories
1: anyway well oh, that's that, that, doesn't that matter. i'm almost that more doesn't, forgiving because with because oh, also course, who cares yeah. yeah whatever right right. you like
0: feet cool yeah uh, that's that's yeah. actually
1: cool that you make that weird in movies yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely oh grindhouse, progress, grindhouse and i did sure. like both of those death proof yeah yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, there's just a weird thing, and I know like it's it's created like beef with him and like Spike Lee, where Spike Lee's like, "Why do you think that you get a pass uh-huh. on this and you uh-huh. get to go there?" Which like, is odd because they
2: both share the Samuel Jackson, you know, know. as a as a sort of muse, you know. Uh, I'm sure
0: he just reports back to both of them, like, "Yeah." <laughs> oh, I think well, there's definitely
2: <laughs> like a separation, but um, yeah, I mean Samuel Jackson, he just. Like defended Tarantino again in Esquire like yeah. a month ago when he was on the cover of Esquire, they asked that that question never ceases to be asked. Yeah. I would say. Oh, sure.
0: Then there's also that thing with like him and Uma Thurman and then there's just like the sort of
2: Oh, and they had a terrible falling out. And as the well. connection uh-huh. with
0: like Weinstein and stuff that yeah. sort of But these all these things have like well Of
2: course everybody, I mean,'s got a connection to Weinstein if they worked sure. in the nineties, I'd yeah, say. Yeah. Um, and,
0: and yeah, that those things don't have much to do with about the, the his output as a filmmaker mm-hmm. obviously but it's just kind of in 2019 if we're talking about Tarantino uh-huh. in 2019 it's like you probably have to acknowledge all of these things
2: yeah I mean he just falls into that category of people you know um that I probably just never want to meet. Oh, you know, exactly. never, never want to <laughs> yeah, even like at a exactly. party or anything. Yeah. Like I don't want to run into him. I told uh, you he
1: doored my friend's Chevy <laughs> Bel <Beller>. My <laughs> friend had a '56 Bel Air at went the just, New Beverly, right? Yeah, she went to the New Beverly to see G- Grindhouse. Uh, he, he and Robert Rodriguez double feature, and he parked right next to her. I guess he was running in to present it. Was running late and just slammed his door, hit her, and she just looked at him. He's like, "Gotta go," <laughs> 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 like not apologetic at all. Yeah. Right. Which, like, in a movie sounds funny. Yeah, yeah. But then in real life, you're an asshole. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I do think there's something about Tarantino. He's just at the... He's been producing movies and has been a huge deal during, I think, our generation's time growing up. Since we were young, we've been real familiar with him. So... So some of the things he does are problematic, and I think they can kind of be explained historically if you're just looking at movies of the time, culture of the time. Sure. I, I think that's extremely relevant, but because it was also during our time, we don't see him as someone like uh, who may have been abusive to their actors in the 70s. We don't see him sure. because it is like, well, he kind of is current. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if he adjusts a little bit on the things I think that he takes uh, for granted that he's able to do right. and this got called out when he did Django and chain people were like oh, you know this is a cool movie it is good it has some great race politics in it uh, could a black person have made it uh, is he because he 's got a good theme is he taking too many liberties I think right. this was asked during that time I remember reading and for good reasons.
0: I remember reading good articles also that were in defense of Tarantino sure. on Django saying like what that he was actually using his privilege as a white man to make uh-huh. that movie. And that if a black person had made that movie, people would have freaked out. Totally. Um, so there are That's all you know, of these things. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: No, I, I agree. I think that, and I mean, like, I don't know like what profit the, the new Beverly pulls in or anything like that. But I mean, like I was going to the new Beverly in the early nineties when I lived in Los Angeles and it's still my favorite movie theater in the country. And he basically came in and saved it because mm-hmm. it was going oh, totally. to be foreclosed on and he didn't, you know, turn it into like the Tarantino cinema. It's like truly still the New Beverly. It still shows crazy movies. It still shows great movies, and you know, um, all I of these it things. Makes money. And it probably, if it makes money, it's very little. Um, but it, you know, I, like those kinds of things. And I'm, I'm sure if I dug into it, um, the philanthropy and and that kind of stuff towards cinema uh, is huge. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, he's definitely like in the vein of. Uh, Scorsese and some of the other guys mm-hmm. of like, hey, we were trying to salvage these films and preserve, you know, film preservation and all that stuff. He's very involved in all of that. So I mean, good res- on him. He, he respects should. the art form. Yeah, yeah, oh, and you know, and, knows, through and through, like, knows as much about it as anybody. Sure. I um,
1: mean, he's one of the giants. Of yeah. I mean, film. he's he's <laughs> truly
2: like his his film knowledge is rivaling, you know, Scorsese and yeah. Bogdanovich and those guys who just like know it through and through. Yeah. Uh, he. I've heard him talk about stuff that I would have never thought, like, he would have been aware of, even, you know. Yeah. And, it's and the thing that I
0: really that. like about the three that I was saying, that I'm like, oh, maybe it's time, you know, whatever. But the thing that I like about all three of those directors is that they clearly, they, they make it known what they're pulling from. I you love know? that. Like, yeah. Um, and... I guess what I'm saying is I hope that there are people now that will pull from them and pull and you know there's yeah. some new mm-hmm. thing that will. Happen. But like Jarman, you know, is, is talks about like stealing. He's like, you know, stealing is the highest form of flatter. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He, right, right. he has that. a great quote about inauthenticity authenticity and yeah, yeah. Art. Like nothing is original. Just like steal from everything that inspires you and yeah. you know, like Godard did in the French New. You know, like just well, and back to Tarantino. I mean, a, a lot of people point. I
2: can't. It's slipping my mind. I can't believe it. But uh, the. The Asian film that um, basically inspired Reservoir Dogs. Uh, a lot of people were like, oh, that's pretty close to a ripoff. Um, um, which one? And uh, you can Google it Andy in two seconds, us. it'll find out. Um, Just Google
1: it, watch the trailer. God, I
2: can't believe I can't remember the <laughs> title. Now I want you to look it up. But anyway, um, you know, so back to your point, though, I mean, like he, it doesn't matter if he took that, lifted that from something else. Like what came out of that was mm-hmm. something wholly original. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and opened up the art form again, kind of in 20 years after Mean Streets did it, you know, which Mean Streets was kind of the first. So crazy that Godfather came out in 72 and Mean Streets in 73. But Mean Streets was kind of the first look at, you know, gritty gangster uh-huh. movies like, oh yeah, these guys operate like in C D bars and yeah. twenty bucks matters and you know, like people hold a grudge over a, a forty dollar gambling uh-huh. bet and like that shit's real. Um that it wasn't like, you know, everybody lives in big houses and wears pinstripe suits sure. and uses Tommy guns. Um, you know, but I think Tarantino is is gonna go down in history as, you know, a very authentic real filmmaker that has done some amazing films oh,
1: and um, like like David said the fact that you see his influences um, I think that's one of the highlights of him it, I mean it's very it had to happen eventually like it, instead of everything's rip offs we're always rebooting things at least he's taking from a lot of sources making it very apparent and how he strings it together is, is pretty impressive you know taking editing styles from Kurosawa taking um or taking camera. the shots, camera work from exploitation films. I mean, to put these together in such a way really shows what the knowledge of history and cinema can do sure. and what it can create.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And I, I think that, um, like Dave said earlier, I think you're going to see people, I hope, I, I can't imagine you wouldn't see people in 10 or 15 years who are doing that with Jarmish, and who are doing that with with PTA, with Wes Anderson, with you know Tarantino that are going to be like, some kid who's ten years old right now and fifteen yeah, years yeah. is gonna make a movie and he's gonna be inspired by Reservoir Dogs and Boogie Knights and yeah, yeah. you know Dark Healing Limited and whatever that you know uh, uh down by law
0: and all these things. I think Jordan Peele, or just in the interviews. Jordan that Peele's I, a great example that yeah. I watch. It's like yeah, he's
1: all the influences.
0: Yeah, he's very obviously like a guy that has sat around and watched a bunch of movies mm-hmm. and yeah, know, like, it's very, very high IQ, like, oh. cinema oh. IQ, yeah. Yeah. Um, Was the movie City on Fire? Is that the name of the Reservoir Dogs? Maybe. It showed up in some article. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Well,
1: that's... It's Infernal Affairs.
0: Yeah, yeah, right.
2: (laughs) To the Departed. Um, Yeah, so... I don't know. Um,
1: Yeah, so as far as this one coming out, I think it's going to be great. I think if this one's really solid, I think he'll keep his place a, as a very relevant filmmaker still and people look forward to the next one. I think he hasn't been on a good enough string for this one to be weak and him right. come out of it. Well, I mean, everyone's going to see the next one, but for sure, if this one's really good, I, I think it says a lot about his relevance in 2019. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Just,
0: just to circle back real quick. <clears throat> this is an article, 10 film. It's on uh, tasteofcinema.com taste 10 films that had the biggest influences on reservoir dogs. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Band Apart, sure. Bob La Flambeau, so, so yep. John early uh, Jean-Pierre Melville movie, mm-hmm. The Killing by Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, Cassavetes. Yep. Uh I don't bl- see it. Bloody <laughs> Bloody Mama, Roger Corman. Yeah, right. Um, I haven't seen them. Flight to Fury, a Monty Hellman movie. Oh, I,
2: I haven't seen I haven't that. Actually, seen
0: that. yeah, that's Tulane Blacktop. Yeah, yeah. Hellman, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Taking of Pelman. Tell them one, one, two, two, three. Yeah, of course. Uh, The big combo, Joseph Lewis. I haven't seen that one. Uh, A Better Tomorrow, two by John Woo, nineteen eighty-seven, and then City on Fire was the other one. That yeah, okay. There's a lot of good. Yeah, (laughs) and the truth is, is like people like myself probably you know, it's interesting the way that people get to culture or get to something that Uh is not in front of them right now. You know, like sure. I know that I have seen a lot of movies or heard of a lot of things because I've watched things now and been like, oh, that was really cool. And then someone's like, oh, actually, that's from Dota. And you're like, oh, oh shit, yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. go see that. That's dope.
2: No, I mean, like, Scorsese led me to Cassavetes. Like, that was yeah. reading about Scorsese and him talking about Cassavetes. was like, oh, I, I should go check out Cassavetes. If this guy's like his mentor, Yeah. holy shit. You yeah. Know? Um,
1: yeah, but, so someone bringing, bringing all these artists that we needed to brush up on. I mean, what, what are the 90s and what is indie cinema without Tarantino in my yeah. lifetime?
2: Oh, no. For, for sure. I mean, I mean,
1: we probably wouldn't have had Bottle Rocket without... Well, definitely without Scorsese because he had put it on his like top list right. movies. We probably never would have got... Who knows if Wes Anderson would have had a career without this? Yeah, I mean,
2: you can kind of thank Harvey Keitel for all of it. I mean, that was like the one connection Lawrence Bender had, who was the producer and still is, of of Tarantino's films. But he worked, uh, I don't know if he worked at Miramax or somewhere, but he had a connection to Harvey Keitel.
1: Harvey got all the money to to make Pulp Fiction, right? Right. And Reservoir, well, Dogs.
2: Reservoir Dogs for sure that was like Harvey Keitel like got Tim Roth he got Michael Matson. he got you know he got everybody involved and was like hey we're all gonna work for scale this is a killer script this kid's pretty good and Tarantino wasn't gonna direct it it was Harvey Keitel ah. who said no you should direct this like it's so clearly written like your you vision is it. so yeah. yeah like all you got to do is get behind the camera he apparently went to, like, uh, no shit, like a two-day film course in Hollywood, like crash course on here's how to run a camera, Uh and then showed up, like, a week later on set, like, all right, I'm directing my first movie. Here we go. Um You know, so oh, it's nuts. a great story, you know?
1: Yeah, and the budgets kind of for both those are so low. I <laughs> yeah. mean, they made these so cheap.
2: Yeah, Tim and wrong. that was it. I mean, that was the, the other the thing. Park. Like, Bender was like, you got to do, like, Primarily, like this has to take place in one location because we don't have money. And he was like, All right, great. Warehouse. Warehouse. Yeah. Give me it. a can
1: of gasoline and yeah. two bullets.
2: Right. <laughs> That's the uh, Godard line. What do you need to make a movie? A, a girl and a gun? girl and a gun. Ah. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's good stuff. So what's going on at Suns this week? We're still in April Fools. Still on April oh, Fools. Gosh. Comedies. Uh, Just a bunch of Dumb,
0: dumb shit. Dr. Strangelove, some dumb movie.
2: Um, <laughs> By some guy Some
0: guy I don't know Probably never inspired anybody That probably didn't inspire shit uh, Yeah For sleep uh, Airplane With the exclamation point Without
1: that we never would have got Hot charts. part two. Yeah, yeah That's
0: true <laughs> See the, Yeah uh, Dumb and Dumber Yeah fun Samsonite uh, <laughs> Samson. <laughs> Half Baked Oh we could have done a whole show about Drug <laughs> movies 420 Fucking stuff man Damn, it. damn bro
1: <laughs> Shit well, this is all bonks considered, but Bonk Boy. Yeah, oh, I guess we did that last yeah, we year. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Duck soup on Sunday. Oh, it's a Carl uh, Marx movie. So much Carl <laughs> Marx. <laughs> um, Carl and and then waiting for Guffman is uh, next Monday. Chris oh, yeah. yes. like Green yeah. Queens nineties. If you're out there and series. you have
2: not like figured out Christopher Gaston like that <laughs> whole scene, um, you know, please, please go to Sun Cinema. Or it's, if you're not in the city, <laughs> if you're listening it's abroad, so funny find it streaming somewhere and get your hands on it's so good and then
0: it's tuesday's so this movie yo-yo which i'm excited yeah, about it's, it's like a old it's a 60s like kind of silent film he just did a good job of being a a really good physical comedian but the other paris movie i was going to say to circle back to that is playtime we're mm. showing at oh, the yeah. end of the month Jacques Tati. yeah which is kind of a. It's a critique of, of uh, modernity and, you know, and the insanity of technology, yeah. uh, but it's from the 60s and it's pretty funny. Um, and it's got a lot of really cool shots of Paris as well. And,
2: and certainly holds up.
0: And it holds up. To
2: yeah. kind of even today, like even just him standing there, the great shot of him standing there looking out over the field of cubicles. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. This is still happening. <laughs> this is who we are. <laughs> <laughs> 60, 70 years later. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, still a real thing. <laughs> We fixed it. We fixed it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, should we? You want to play us out with that little song about Paris? Yeah, Ode to Paris. In Paris the city yeah, goodbye. To the See you next week. No au revoir. 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 The fisherman fishes. The baker man bakes. To the bells of Notre Dame. To the big bells as loud
2: as
0: the
1: thunder.
0: To the little bells soft as a swarm.
1: And some say the soul of the city is the toll of the bell. The bells of Notre Dame. Listen, they're beautiful, no? So many colors of sound, so many changing moods. Because
2: you know, they
1: do not ring all by themselves.
0: They oh, don't? know, you silly boy. Up there.